Hey, Secrets of Success listeners, Deanna here. Thank you all so much for joining us. Well, today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. See, NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. Now, how many of you can use some additional information so you can make smarter decisions with your money? It's okay. I'll be the first to raise my hand. Because the nerds have helped me get smarter about things like saving on travel. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night, maybe a a small shopping spree or a fancy dinner or two. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Also, boosting my credit score, since good credit is like a real-life cheat code, seriously, like a real-life cheat code, and then saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It just loves a good plot twist. So listen to Merrick Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite change and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix. A Master Plan for Black Group Economics with Wealth Creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr. Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity This isn't just a book, it's a movement, a call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear, drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey 
Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix, today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Secret to Success Podcast. Today we have an amazing gentleman with us, Mr. Ethan Becker. I am not going to go into details. I'm going to let him tell us a little more about himself, and then we're going to go right into it. Mr. Ethan, welcome to the Secret to Success Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Well, if you can let our audience know a little bit more about you, who you are, what it is that you do, and what got you to where you are today. Sure, sure. Well, uh, I'm with a company called the Speech Improvement Company out of the Massachusetts area, and uh, we're actually the oldest speech coaching and training firm in the United States. Uh, We started in 1964. I'm actually a second-generation coach. There's about 20 of us spread around the world, and we've all studied speech communication at the graduate level or higher So I have uh, two doctorates, an MBA, an undergrad, all related to speech communication. And what we do, for the most part, we work with business professionals, leaders of countries, leaders of companies and celebrities and people who speak as a part of what they do. And as speech coaches, we help them to, number one, be comfortable doing that. Uh, And number two is to be good at it, whatever that it is happens to be. So in some cases, it's standing up, giving a formal speech. In other cases, it might be negotiation or listening or giving feedback or selling. You name it. If it's related to talking, uh, that's that's what we specialize in. And we do it through group training and private coaching. And we these days, we do it all remote. <laughs> no surprise there. <laughs> all right. Thank you very much. So that leads me to my very first question, Mr. Ethan. Why is communication so important in not just in business but in relationships um, when you are negotiating as well as in in life in general? Yeah, you know, communication, the way that we – it's really an interesting question. I mean, as a species, we have figured out – how to take thought and then control these flabs of skin called the vocal folds to make noises when we breathe. And we can take the thought, match it up with those noises, and then make sounds, shape the sound, and then another person can hear those sounds, decode it, and now they have the same thought that we had. It's really quite quite remarkable when you think about it. We just sort of take it for granted. We just talk. You want a glass of water, you ask for a glass of water, and you get the water, right? <laughs> but when you think about what goes into it, it's it's profound. There's really no other species on the planet that does it quite like humans. So there's, there's a lot of room for <laughs> miscommunication, misunderstanding, which happens <laughs> often. Uh, but when it's done well, Wow, it is remarkable. We see it, for instance, uh, many business people in business will talk about sports, for example. On a sports team, you see often in the professional sports environments, you often see high-quality communicating happening. Sometimes it's just a look or a wave 
right? But the, the, the quality of sending and receiving messages is high. In the business world, yeah, it's hit or miss. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like if you've ever been in a situation where you thought you were really clear with someone, yet they just don't get it. <laughs> and, and not even in business, just in relationships, families, things mm-hmm. like that. We think we're clear, but there are issues that get in the way. The sound of our voice, the tone we're using, the mm. choice of our words. We may be meant one thing, but that's not what came through. Or we sent a message, but the other folks are maybe focused on mm, the wrong part of the message. <laughs> you know, And now they're all upset about that. It's like, well, oh, that's not a big thing. But you're said it. It's like, yeah, I know. So, yeah, communication is huge. And, you know, when you think about it, we it starts typically at birth. And some, some research says before birth, but in general at birth, we start hearing sounds and learning how, what they mean and how to communicate what we want. And it goes for our entire our entire lives, all the way up to death. We continue to learn and 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 maximize the quality of our messages when we're communicating. But the nice thing about business is that you get to practice it for a living. Like you know, a lot of companies allocate funding to have coaching and training around this, so that people can get better at it. So it's it's pretty cool. Awesome. I you said something. <laughs> you said um you communicate something that just didn't come out right it is in one of the one of the skills that I am currently working on is mastering my communication skills okay and one of the things that I've realized is in communication I start the I start the conversation off in the middle of the conversation I was having in my head <laughs> okay so you start it silent and then pick it up somewhere vocal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so with someone, how would you uh, how would you break that down to someone who is listening to us? Like when you start, when you are literally like I'll be I will be in the middle of a conversation in my head with Antonio, and and then I'll start. Okay, so this is what you do, and he said this is like wait, who is he? What are we doing? Where is this coming from? So for someone who who thinks like that and they're in the business, the in the business arena, how would you how would you express explain to them how to work on that or how to break that down or because even because another thing that I've under I've I've been understanding is the same way we communicate in 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 the business is the same way we communicate in the personal. So how how would you walk someone through that type of communication breakdown? Yeah, you know, it, it it's a great observation. I mean, we 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 look at if one way of looking at it is that we are able to think and process at a rate of about 600 words per minute. That's the speed of thought. But we we speak at a rate of approximately 183 words per minute. That's the average rate of speech. If you were to go to a meeting and start counting words, you get to about 183. Give a little more, a little less, depending on who's talking. So we talk at 183. We think it's 600. That means there's about 400 words a minute doing other stuff left over. <laughs> you know, while people are talking, <laughs> we're like thinking about the weekend or that email or all this stuff. You know, and so part of the skill here is learning how to control that. 400 words a minute. Not easy. 
a lot of people out there, you see something shiny and you're like, ooh, what's that, right? So that's a skill. It's a skill. Uh, you know, I, I've coached uh, the kids for years when they were younger with a lot of different sports. And if you look at, like, soccer, for example, a lot of the kids are good with their right foot, but they have to learn to kick with the left. And they don't want to. It doesn't feel natural. But you've got to learn how to do it. In speech communication, sometimes we have to learn how to control the way we're thinking before we speak, and, and it takes a little practice. And some folks don't like to do that. We, we hear people say, well, that's not me. That's being fake. I'm, not, I'm authentic. It's like, look, you know, you can be authentic <laughs> and skilled at the same time. Right? So, now, it's not about perfect. It's not about being mm-hmm. perfect. In fact, we're very sensitive to the idea of using, like, theater and theater background for speech communication because it ain't acting. You know, especially in business, you're not pretending to be you, you're you. So that doesn't mean you cannot make mistakes in speech. We do it all the time. I do it. I was raised by two PhD speech coaches, right? And I, I make mistakes. <laughs> but we can, we can learn to minimize them. We can learn techniques that help listeners focus on the intent of the message, uh, so that way, even if we have some mistakes along the way, they really get the intended message as opposed to other things. And it starts by learning a little bit about how we think, how others think and process, and then trying to tailor our message in that way to make it easier for the other person to hear and understand and process. Thank you. And that actually leads me into my next question. When you are in a business environment, you are the CEO, COO, you're you're the manager, or you're just a team member, there are so many different personality types. How do you communicate with those who are opposite your personality type? You know how to talk to you, but how do you (laughs) communicate with those opposite of you? Sure. There's a, you know, there's a, there's a good way of looking at this. Um, I didn't mention earlier, but I'm also an author. So my, my book, Mastering Communication at Work, How to Lead, Manage, and Influence, this is an international bestseller. It's, used, it's been used at uh, Harvard, University of Texas, and all the businesses all over the world. Um, chapter 1 talks a little bit about Aristotle, who was helping us to understand he, we, we study Aristotle in the, in the science of speech comm because he was one of the early philosophers trying to figure out how we think, how we process information. And he did. He did. We still use it today. So he figured that people tend to think and process information in one of two different ways. Now, the words, your listeners may know these words, but I want to teach it to you in the context of speech communication so you know how to use this stuff. He said that people tend to think and process either inductive or deductive. Inductive or deductive. And you may know these, but here's what it means. If I'm an inductive thinker, it's just who I am. I'm just an inductive kind of a guy. That means that I need to have all the background information first, then tell me the point. But don't, you know, you got to give me all the background details and all that stuff, right? If I'm a deductive thinker, I need the point right up front and then all of the background information. And this is a really helpful way of looking at connecting with listeners in different styles. 
won't, because when and this matters a lot because when these two people meet each other, <laughs> look out! <laughs> there is a level of frustration that just tears the communication apart. I mean, if I'm a deductive thinker and the inductive guy just is going on and on and on and on, I you can't see me through the phone, but 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 you you, you could hear my voice. It's it's like this. I'm resp- if I'm deductive and an inductive person's talking to me, I sound like this. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. What? 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 Get okay, to the okay, point. Get to the point. Get to the point. Exactly. I get so frustrated to the point that I'm not even listening anymore. And that's a problem because that inductive thinker may be thinking, I did the perfect presentation. I covered all of the points. And so, yeah, you, you, you said it all out loud, but that doesn't mean that the receiver got the message. They got very little because they were their 400 words a minute were very focused on what do you got, what do you want, what do you want. So they missed the logic. So the technique mm-hmm. here, the skill here, is to match what your listener needs you to be, and that's easy to understand but hard to do, because those those folks who tend to think in a deductive way swear it is the right way to be. And anybody who's inductive is just wasting my time, beating around the bush, right? And then here's the funny part. One day I was researching military titles and what your responsibilities are, week after month, month after month. I know most of you are probably thinking, why don't you just use me hydrogen mode? Well, let me tell you something. Or if it will Well, I have a podcast. It doesn't matter what mode that you use or how many times you play your broadcast. For the past three years, your internet service provider can still see in the country well over website you've ever That's why even when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. It doesn't matter if you get your internet from Verizon, Comcast, or AT&T. ISPs in the U.S. can legally sell your information to ad companies. Well, ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through your secure servers, so your ISP can't see the site you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. And most of the time, I don't even realize I have ExpressVPN Download and subscribe. It runs seamlessly in the background and is so easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're protected. ExpressVPN is available on all of your devices, from your phones to your computers, even your smart TV. So there's no excuse you not to be using. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET and Wired. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash secret. ExpressVPN.com slash secret to learn more. The inductive thinkers swear that it's the right way to be. And anybody who's deductive is just harsh, rude, not thinking it through, right? Jumping to the conclusion. But what Aristotle was teaching us is that it's not about right or wrong. They're all right. It's just it's about what's effective versus ineffective. And in business, the real skill here is to number one, know which way you are. And number two, to know what does your listener need you to be. And that can change. We see it all the time. 
You go in and you're talking with an inductive listener. Maybe that's the CEO and you're presenting your presentation, looking for funding or whatever it is, right? And halfway through the meeting, the phone rings and it's the board member or it's a family member, whatever. It's an emergency and the guy's got to go. He comes back to you and you're going on about all the background details and that guy's not listening to you anymore, right? If I want to make that connection, I need to learn how to switch in the moment Ooh. to be either become deductive or come back another time. It takes a little practice to do, but you nail this and you're going to get it. And what we like about inductive deductive, we like about Aristotle compared to like Myers-Briggs or DISC or, or PI or other sort of psychometric tests that have been out there. It's really simple. And while it's really nice to know I'm an ISTJ or whatever it is, inductive and deductive is just really easy to get your head wrapped around, learn to do, and use immediately. And, it's, and the impact is phenomenal. And you can practice even, even at home. You can practice this with your family. We see it all the time. <laughs> My wife and I are opposites. We lived, we've been married 25 years, three kids. She's really deductive. Yay. I talk for a living. Naturally, I'm inductive, right? So I'll go into the living room and I'll, you know, I'll be like, "Hey, listen, you know, um, Apple's got this new iPad. It's really pretty cool." I just went, "No." I'm like, "Oh, it's so cool." I just But see, we figured out clues with each other. So when mm-hmm. I go into the living room, I'll say, "Hey, Kelly, you got a sec?" And if she says, "Sherry, what's up?" I know I can be inductive with her, and she can take it without getting frustrated. But if I go in and I say, "Hey, you got a sec?" and she says, what? <laughs> 25 years of marriage has taught me to say, oh, nothing. I'll see you later. <laughs> I don't get all upset. I just, I get it, right? So you can practice these things with your family, uh, and the quality of the relationships will strengthen because we're mm-hmm. understanding how we think with each other, and it translates right into business. Thank you so much because you knowing and understanding that i can i can I, in my head i'm already like you said you we think so many words <laughs> we so many in my head i'm already thinking okay how can i apply this with me and my 5 year old son because if i can we go. If i can start with you know if i can yeah. start with him with someone who is recently getting into the communication world <laughs> that's and, right you know, I practice that with him, and then I teach him the same. If I can work it out with a five-year-old, I can work it out with anybody because you have to have super patience <laughs> to work oh, with. Yeah. With our kids, we, we teach, teach them this vocabulary, this language, so they know what it means. And my son will use it with me. He's very deductive. I'm inductive, so we kind of clash. He has a twin sister who's inductive. So my wife and I, when we need to talk to the kids, if it, is, if it ain't working too well, we tag team and swap it out and, so we can match. <laughs> but my son, he'll use the language. And instead of saying, giving me an attitude and saying, Dad, get to the point, he'll say, Dad, you're, you're doing the, the inductive thing again. <laughs> and hearing that is really useful. And it's the same in business, yes. right? In business, what often happens, if you're, and if you're listeners, if you're in the C-suite, right, what happens is we're so comfortable with ourselves. And somebody comes in, and it's, it's fairly common for the lower-level 
presenters lower in the organization to tend there's a tendency to be more inductive it's not an absolute but so i might be the senior person i'm i'm getting frustrated and annoyed my body language my tone of voice is sending a message that says i don't care about you and i don't respect you now that may not be true and in most of the ceos we coach say ethan i do respect the person so it's not true that they don't respect them but that is the message being sent and you know when teams are really close and people know each other well it doesn't matter they know you they know that your frustration is just because they're being too inductive but when we don't have that now the subordinate goes away and they think oh boy i've just let the boss down i've made them mad at me mm-hmm. and instead of in, instead of going away being productive and rethinking the project they walk away feeling bad which is not anybody's intent it shouldn't be anyway but um so that's why we look at that's why one of the reasons we look at this and look at our own tendency which what's our comfort zone and then do I do I need to maybe practice this is where speech coaching comes in a lot of the CEOs around the world that I work with is I'm working with them we're practicing conversations that they're having with their team we're practicing conversations they're going to have with board members at town hall meetings, so they can practice outside of their comfort zone in a safe environment without judgment to figure out are they getting it or not getting it. And uh, it works works quite well. It's hard to do it alone sometimes. I mean, you can. You can once you – this is with any skill, but it helps having a coach. I'm going to start practicing with everybody. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There's a great – in the book, in Chapter 1, there's some really, really nice, like – exercises you can do by yourself um, to get good at it. And I might mention also, we have a free app on the App Store that has a little bit on inductive and deductive, a nice review of this. Um, You'd search for Speech Companion. That's what we called it, Speech Companion. And we we actually built it for folks who have either read our books or been working with a coach as a companion to – to go, but your listeners now that they're hearing this, they'd be able to download and make sense of it all. It's a free thing. It's there's no like hidden ads or anything. We're not that sophisticated. We built it in house. <laughs> it's pretty cool actually, and uh, just you know, just a tool to keep in your phone if you need it. Awesome. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen who are listening. Make sure you purchase Mastering Communication at Work and get the app, so yeah. you can definitely be able to work everything out. I am literally going to practice that with everybody from my son to my dad, my mom, awesome. my my team members because I've um I've I've learned working um with Antonio and him coaching and and, and training me that communication is <laughs> extremely important when it comes to business but also knowing who you're speaking with as well. So that leads me to the, my next question Ethan how, how important is it to be an active listener for in order to communicate better? I'm sorry, what? Sorry, no, that was just how a did, joke. How do, you, <laughs> how do you not use the sorry what joke with a listening question? I'm just messing with you. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, really, I, and I really thought it was like, oh, wait, I didn't I hold on with the, the disconnection in my life. Let me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I mean, you know, look, okay, so it, it's easy for me to say active listening is important. Yes. Easy to understand, hard to do. Uh, one One way of looking at at listening. There are a lot of ways. We have full-day programs that we train people on for this, but here's something you can take away and maybe 
start thinking about right away. Think of listening at three levels. Level one is when we listen from our own point of view. We're in a conversation and we're thinking, what does this have to do with me? What about me? I'm going to have to respond. I have to say something. What, you know, it's very self-focused. And that's kind for many people, that's the default, like sort of a, for a lot of us humans. We just sort of, you know, you're talking to me, I need to respond. Level two is really hard to get to. Level two is listening from the perspective of the other person. So that means while they're talking, I'm listening and I am trying to ascertain what do I think they are intending to say to me. And that may be different than what I'm hearing. Maybe they're not good at it. Maybe they're using words that I don't like. Uh, maybe they are using a tone that is making me feel not good. Right? But is that what their intention is? What do I think they're trying? And a, a good place where you will not see this, for example, is on television, <laughs> you know, uh, news shows and stuff like that, where where one person will take any tiny, teeny, tiny word somebody says way out of context and then reinvent what the person was supposed to say. <laughs> Meanwhile, that person's like, that's not what I meant, but that's what you said, isn't it? It's like, but I didn't mean that. <laughs> you know, Right. Turn off the TV, and in real life, we, you know, and it, it's so funny, especially these days. There could be like a buzzword or a particular term somebody says. It's not what they mean, but some they take it out of context. Why? Well, it's good television. It's like television's all about getting people all upset and emotional for the most right. part. Well, if it's news, it's all about usually negative emotions. But, but it, in business, in business. Some of that can happen unintentionally. TV, it's intentional. <laughs> the producers will purposefully put two people on the screen that are going to do this to each other because they can't help themselves. In a business environment, there's a lot less of that, but it still happens. I might say a word – in, on television, it's a political term somebody uses, and they're like, oh, they said that word. <laughs> right? <laughs> on business, in business – it doesn't happen so much, but it does happen. It might be a word that's related to the product. It might be a word related to the business that somebody hears it, and that word has an entire amount of meaning wrapped around it. Mm -hmm. So when you're listening from the other person's point of view, you've got you to gotta be able to hear what's happening and then process and say, do I think this is what they are intending? And we may not know. That's why we do things like, paraphrase, ask for clarification. And in fact, as a speaker, if you're the speaker in that situation and you want to make sure somebody can listen effectively, you might do what we call confirm understanding. Make sure they do understand where you're coming from. But level two out of these three levels is listening from the other person's point of view. Uh, professional salespeople tend to develop this skill. And they're listening for things like, is that other person more inductive or deductive? What do I think they're trying to say when they say no to the product? Is it really no or is it no or not right now? Right? Like they're trying to sort of hear these things, right? And a lot of other right. things too. We li there's a lot more in there for listening. And then level three is listening from the perspective of an entire room, an entire group. Wow. So uh, really skilled salespeople do this. Negotiators might do this where they're, they're – there might be five people in the room, and while person number three is talking, I'm hearing them 
listening to them. I'm also observing and listening from the point of view of everyone else in the room. How do I think everyone else is receiving this information? Very, very difficult to get to level three. Uh, that's another place that, that the, the sort of the best of the best in the world of sales and business tend to get to because they're very in tune with who they need to connect with and talk with and may not be the person with the biggest title. It might be somebody else. So these are three different ways you can look at your listening. And when you're practicing, maybe just ask yourself. Most of us are at level one. It's not like, oh, that means I'm bad. It's like that means you're human. <laughs> the question is, can you at times get to that second level? And another one, that's great when you can practice at home with family members. Just mm-hmm. and, and here's a technique when you're trying to figure that out. When the other person's done talking, don't talk right away. Just process. I said we think it's 600 words a minute. So before you start talking, hit the pause button and and just <laughs> process what you heard for a few moments of silence. And if somebody says, well, you're going to respond, just say, I'm just thinking. Let me just process for a moment. We don't all process at the same time. And uh, that can that can really help you. And the more comfortable you get with silence like that, the more effective you're going to become as a listener. So just a, so a couple twi- quick tips on listening there. Thank you. Those sure. tips, I really hope, I really hope our audience is taking notes because one of the, what I've learned is one of the greatest downfalls of any business relationship, however you want to put it, is the lack of, is not even just the lack of communication, but the miscommunication due to misunderstanding because you are not listening. And it yeah. actually, it actually leads me to another question to ask you because when you like, because like, like you were, just like you were just saying, you're like, you know, <clears throat> was my tone okay, or you know, is this what they were intentionally trying to say, or was this, or was that? But then it, it so how do you handle somebody getting defensive when you are speaking to them and you may say it in the wrong tone, or their interpretation of what you said came out the wrong way? How do you handle someone getting defensive? Yeah, and turning I, that around. Defensiveness is uh, is boy such a human characteristic. <clears throat> it's not the same for everyone. Uh, we do we can, there are some general techniques that tend to work very well, uh, and uh, one of them is validating the other person's point of view, which is difficult for people because we sometimes think that validating and agreeing are the same thing, but they're not the same thing. Yes, if I agree with you, it is a form of validation, sure. But I can validate that you have a point of view even when I disagree with it. And often when we're either in an argument or if we're concerned somebody's going to be defensive about something, we may need to uh, hear them out, uh, which is hard to do because they start saying what they don't like. Maybe I already know what they're going to say, and then I cut them off, and then they cut me off, and we're not getting anywhere. So sometimes you have to just hear it. And if it's an argument or a debate type of a situation, sometimes that will continue. Well, let's talk about this at two levels. One is sort of an argument, and the other is more of a business environment, maybe a negotiation. In the argument, the argument will tend to continue because both sides are likely struggling they think the other person doesn't hear them. 
and doesn't understand their point of view, to which there's always somebody in the argument that says, no, I understand, but, you know, and which means they don't, right? So the language, the but, is like one of those three-letter words we don't say because it says it's, it's an erasure word. It erases the validator. So if I say, oh, your hair looks really nice today, but it's like, oh, something bad is coming. <laughs> so we don't do that. But the tone of voice. <clears throat> so instead of saying, yeah, I hear you, but I might say, let me see if I understand where you're coming from. So if I understand correctly, you're suggesting I go up to the roof of the building and jump off. Now, uh, and so I'm just <laughs> validating, right? I might even ask for a clarification. So with that suggestion, should I go all the way to the roof or maybe to the, to the lower part of the roof? Oh, all the way up. Okay, okay. Not okay, I'm going to jump off the roof. But okay, now I understand where you're coming from. Thank you. That's helpful. Now, people have a hard time with that's helpful. You what? You just said I should jump off the roof. <clears throat> it's not helpful that I'm going to be jumping. It's helpful mm-hmm. that now I see where you're coming from. I might mm-hmm. pause at that point. Maybe I don't even become give my rebuttal yet. I might stop the meeting and say, okay, let me process that. Can we meet again tomorrow? I really appreciate you taking the time to tell me where you're coming from. This is helpful. And I might even ask more questions about it, whether I know it or not. Often I think I know it, but I just got to ask questions. That, that Once they feel like I do hear them, that I do understand their point of view, now they will be open-minded to hear a different point of view uh, in most cases. In most cases. We don't, again, we don't see that on TV, of course, because that's really not interesting. Not. <laughs> you know, it's really funny because this is why I always tell my friends, it's like, why do you watch the news? Like there's like – there's little to no value. Like, it's not real life. It's a good example of how to argue and not get anywhere in a conversation. And you can't get that hour back. Like, <laughs> nothing came of it, right? In business, there's a reason we have facilitation techniques taught. Because we don't want people – we're not trying to get ratings and sell advertising. We're trying to maximize the sharing of ideas to come out with – collective ideas that are just solid so but we get emotional we get emotional about products we get emotional about marketing ideas selling tactics so the skill in communication here is learning how do i listen learn how to validate and then frame things in a way uh, this is where you move from the the arguing to business negotiation to frame Mm -hmm. things in a way that people can hear Frame things in a way that help bring the listener along uh, so they can hear your point of view. And it's not always easy to do that. It's not always easy. But we often think about it in advance. Thank you so much, Ethan. I am – if nobody else is taking notes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) If no one else is taking notes, I I'll add one more thing to that. I'll add one more thing to that is because I just said, you know, we think about it before we get to the meeting. Now, I'm in my mind, I'm, mm-hmm. in, I'm in business world now, okay? <clears throat> not an argument, like, well, not like we don't argue in business, we do. But <laughs> if I'm thinking in advance, one of the things that we want to think about is uh, words that we use the word hook because when, when, like with fishing, the fish gets caught on the hook, it gets ripped out of the water. 
with humans, we might be in one state of mind, one attitude that might be professional, comfortable, but then there's a hook, a trigger. Somebody looks at us a certain way. They say something and we get hooked and it's, we get taken from one state of mind, one attitude into another one. <clears throat> you could call it our professional attitude into the personal one. Professional, we're, hi there, let's talk, right? Personal, I'm highly upset or emotional. <clears throat> so these hooks, the triggers, we look for those, both our own, what hooks me. Uh, sometimes it's, it could be big things like gender, age, race. Sometimes it's things more um, smaller that we're not aware of, like the, 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 their point of view on the topic or a particular word that they say or an approach. You know, maybe it's about changing the date. And that's a hook for me. I'm like, oh, geez, they're going to bring up the changing of the date of the launch again, right? Mm -hmm. That's a hook for me. Uh, so it's not always these big, giant social things. It could be something very precise. So when I say think about it before the meeting in regards to defensiveness, you got to know two kinds of hooks. One are your own. What are the kinds of things that get you hooked? Is it the way they talk? Is it who it is? Is it that they're name-dropping? Is it that they're suggesting the same stupid idea you've said no to 20 times, right? What's the hook? <laughs> You've got to know what it is. And then two, right. what hooks them? What language should you not use because it can hook the other person? And a, one example would be when we teach people, and we do a lot of customer service training. And in customer service, we don't use the word N-O because it's a, it's a complete stop. And that can get a lot of managers upset because they're like, well, Ethan, we can't just give them the, their money back or whatever it is. I'm not saying you do, but there are plenty of ways to indicate a customer is not going to get something without using the actual word N-O. Uh, and, and, and it's because and it's, the, the word itself couldn't be a hook for some people based on what your company is, what your business is. So we look for that. If you're in a negotiation or a meeting, we say, okay, what do I think might hook the other side? And it's not because you're trying to be a fake person. There's no value in hooking the other person. And if you talk right. it through and you say there's absolutely no way to avoid using this term, fine. But maybe there's a tone in your voice or a way to say it so that it minimizes them getting hooked and defensive. This is the level of thoughtfulness that raises the quality of the communicating that's happening during business meetings. And if business meetings tend to be effective, then let's say what you would see on a – TV show where it's just, you know, all about arguing. Right. I, thank you. And thank you so very much for bringing up hooks, Ethan. Um, so when you were communicating that to me, I picked up triggers. What okay. triggers them? Yes. And thank, and thank you because I we, and when I say we, I mean like all of us, the, the world, we as humans, we don't. If we don't know, we don't do it, and we don't think about the triggers of the person that we're talking to on the other side of the uh, on the other side of the conference table. Right. We don't ever think about that. I've never known. It's it's sometimes it, I, I until this moment I didn't even think about it. you think about triggers in your own personal, but you don't think about the triggers of others in business. Which, if you like you said, if you think about that before even going in, like we have an app community. 
I am determined to be rich. The middle class is not for me. I need news that cares about me. And not news that's going to scare me or make me mad at another people. I need news without politics. And I want news that will point me to the money. This is the news where it happens. The moments that change the world. These are the stories we need. The info that we care about. We only give you news that puts money in your pocket. And the news that gives us an advantage. This is the work that continues. Who we are today. And what we can become. Tomorrow. That's it. This is where news without agendas can lead us. Your wealth matters. This is why more perspectives make us stronger. And how our mission can inspire tomorrow. This is journalism that helps the world we live in. This is Mexit News. Educated with this person before, I notice I get this type of reaction when they say this. And like you said, if you're paying attention to their body language and also, you know, seeing how how if they're just uh, if they are in the, if they are inductive or deductive. You can also mm-hmm. pay attention to their body language to see what you just said that hooked or triggered them so that way you can know and then in your tone in the speaking instead of what's wrong with you, like, hey, you know, is everything okay? Because once someone is triggered and you're like, what's wrong with you, that, that adds to what has already been triggered. So thank yeah. you so much for bringing that up because I don't think any – I don't think I don't honestly don't believe anyone thinks about the triggers of the other person in the boardroom. Yeah, it's a great skill to uh, it's one put it on your to do list when you're preparing for a presentation is to say <clears throat> is to say what is there anything in here that I think might trigger my listeners? And it doesn't mean don't ask for the money, don't do the thing. It means <laughs> is there a different way I can frame it where the triggering isn't there? So I'm not trying to mm-hmm. say, oh, avoid any confrontation. Oh, my goodness, business, it's all confrontation. But you can do positive confrontation, constructive right. sharing of ideas. And part of that on one side is learning not to get myself so hooked. If somebody says something mm, a certain yeah. way, allow me to hear it. Try to listen. And is that what – did I think their intention was to make me mad, <laughs> you know, or, or <laughs> you know – Usually not, you know. but when we're able to do that, the quality of the meeting is higher. It doesn't mean I'm going to agree with them or even like them, but I can hear them out. Think about this in the context of maybe a job interview, for instance. We see hooks all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hear stories all the time of a manager who maybe asks an inappropriate question. And we might be coaching somebody who's, getting, who's interviewing, and we hear the stories. The manager said, asks them, so are you married? And, you know, in most cases, it's not like that's against the law, but that's against most companies' policies to ask that because it could potentially lead to a lawsuit of discrimination. Or how old are you? You know, that's these kinds of questions. So what we train people is to say, look, whether you answer the question or not is a different subject. The first thing you've got to do is not get yourself mad because how dare they just – they didn't just ask me that, did they? Because once you're hooked – it's safe to say anything you say is not going to be very helpful in the moment because now it's all extreme all. emotion. <laughs> so we, we train ourselves to say people can say things, whether that's what they mean or not. I can process that and can confirm it. I can validate that that's where they're coming from. And then I can come up with a response. 
And it may not be in the moment. Sometimes it's a response later on. But just hearing it helps with the communication. It helps minimize the conflict and, and, and maximizes the ability to share ideas. But we're human, so we're going to get hooked. I get hooked. I mean, it, it happens, right? But it's a skill. And as with any skill, it needs practice. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, and through this entire time that you have been answering the questions and giving us wonderful information, wonderful things that we can apply, one of the things that I keep hearing you say the most, well, how it's translating for me, is pause before you speak. <laughs> yeah, that's a good tip. That's a good suggestion. I like it. You're right. Um, You're right. Because when you said we we think 600 words, we think 600 words a minute. We we speak only so many. Yeah. It's at some point you are going to have to pause <laughs> to be able to communicate that, and then in order. You know how to in in order for us to handle someone getting defensive and to be and to be able to turn that conversation around, you have to be you have to be the person with enough awareness to pause. And like you said, ask yourself, okay, yeah. is this what they were intending to say, or <laughs> or is this just how I'm taking it? Or okay, I'm sure you know. Let me clarify or let me ask questions. But you have to pause before you speak. And yeah. one of the things that Antonio has really taught me, which is something that I'm I'm still working on, <laughs> is uh-huh. before you say anything, pause, because it's the mm-hmm. difference between reacting and responding. Yeah, well, the, and, yeah, and that, that pause buys you some time to process. The question mm-hmm. is, what are you going to do with that time? And that's where some practicing can come in. Can I can I begin to hear if they're inductive or deductive? Can I hear the tone, mm-hmm. the, the difference between the tone of their voice and the words they're using? Uh, and it takes it, it takes practice. I mean, it's communication <laughs> is a behavior like a sport. Uh, if you're learning to kick Ooh. a ball and you're really good with your right and you got to learn with the left. I mean, you can do it, but it's not as good until you do it again and again and again. And with communication skill building. It's not in, in my experience. It's not enough to just go to a class or to go through one coaching set. There's knowledge, knowing that's easy. Read the book. Go to a YouTube channel. Right. Do something like LinkedIn Learning. Right. If you just want to get knowledge, <laughs> but if you want to develop right. the skill, it's repetition. And the best example of that would be professional athletes. Like <laughs> you don't you don't see a professional basketball player who's like the all star basketball player go to one practice. <laughs> and then say, that's it, I'm good now. I mean, you do, but you know what? You, you know where you see them? On the bench until they're not right. even, you know. It's like even the best of the best will practice. And we do this as speech coaches. We coach professional speakers and celebrities on this stuff. They practice because that practice is about repetition to develop the skill set so that when they're in a business environment, uh, it's there. They can do that pause with greater ease. And then we fall out of practice, just like, you know, you look at the, the retired athletes who don't play anymore and you see them on some charity game and you're like, oh, what happened? <laughs> They're out of practice. That's all it is. That's not a big deal. 
<laughs> but practice is easy. The good thing with communicating for entrepreneurs and business people is you get to practice every time you open your mouth. We work with the New York Giants sometimes, and these guys are professional football players. They, For the most part, most of their time is spent either on the field working out or eating. Those are the two things that they tend to do all day long. <laughs> so talking is not necessarily an activity they get to do. Those of us mm-hmm. in the world of business get to talk almost every single day as a part of what we do. So that you can build that into your practicing in addition to some for organized stuff. You can just practice every time you talk. I loved how you mentioned with your five-year-old, you can absolutely practice with kids. And not only do you benefit, they benefit from really good modeling, even if you make mistakes while practicing. You're modeling that it's okay to make mistakes and be per- and still be effective because otherwise they, there's a lot of influence from television to be perfect and to and that creates a high level of anxiety for people TED talks for instance yeah. while interesting I'm not a super fan because they present this image like well I need to talk like TED meanwhile people like us are like trying to undo that we're like we're going to teach you how to not talk <laughs> like TED right but the, the topics are interesting but it's a little bit artificial in real life we fumble sometimes and make mistakes, and you can do that and be incredibly effective, uh, especially in business meetings where you're raising money and stuff. It's much more authentic. That doesn't mean stumble and fumble. Practicing mm-hmm. helps you get organized and structured, um, but we are going to make mistakes. We are going to forget a thing here and there or mispronounce a word. Like That's real life. <laughs> Television, you don't see that stuff. No, no, you don't. I, there have been times I have been delivering a keynote, and I will yeah. mispronounce a word. And I'm like, hey, so we have a new word in the dictionary, and I keep on <laughs> <laughs> It happens. It does. It happens. Oh, yeah. And I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking and I'm thinking about how my five-year-old speaks to me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and me, when it comes to my my. I do the same with him that I do with everyone else. I'm like, okay, 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 sweetie, okay, okay, get to the point, baby. Let mommy know. <laughs> and now, <I'm laughs> now you can listen. Now you can listen inductively. Yes. Not, yes. Not easy. There's a there's a good story in the in the book. Uh, it's an interview with John Platt. He's the chairman of C, of uh, Sony Records, and mm-hmm. uh, John's the one who founded uh, you know, Jay Z and Beyonce and. Um, he started as a DJ and moved his way up in the career. And when he when he learned inductive deductive, he shares this in the book. Um, he talks about how he was very deductive because as a guy who started as a DJ and moved up in his career, in his mind he knew everything uh, about the industry, about the music business. And mm-hmm. as he learned how to listen in an inductive way, he said two things happened. That surprised him. Number one, the quality of the relationships around him improved. And number two, he actually learned some stuff. <laughs> and it was like, it was great. <laughs> but it's hard because we're in our comfort zones, which is whichever way we like to be. So part of the skill set is saying, oh, so I love that your kid – and with, with kids, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of research around the positive reinforcement of just talking. And there are some parents who are like, well, don't, don't tell them it's good if it isn't good. It's, it's not about lying to your kid. It's about, at a very young age, encouraging the act of opening the mouth and letting the sounds come out, critiquing whether they are the right sounds or not. <laughs> Maybe can happen more effectively later when they're a little bit older 
and they can right. understand it. Because otherwise, they're not going to hear, don't say it like that. What they're going to hear is, don't talk, is what they're going right. to hear. The intended message is, say it this way. But what they're going to hear is, don't talk. So sometimes at a young age, we're just encouraging it. As they get a little older, we can inspire the shaping of the communication, like saying, hey, you know what? Instead of saying, don't say that, you might say, here's a really good way to say that. You know, and that way they hear that they, they get encouraged, and over time they become a lot more comfortable, and then they will have a leg up when they get, by the time they get to the, their older teens and move out into the business world. We see it all the time. And, and I'm happy you mentioned encouraging them. There was a point in time where my son, um, when he first started talking, he would talk a lot, and then there was this phase where he just got really quiet. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's not good because you're normally talking. So I, I started asking him, what's on your mind? He And he'll tell me, I, okay, mommy. And I'm, like, and I'm sitting there like, no, you're not okay in my head. Yeah. And so I would say, hey, what's up here? And I would point to my head, and he would just start talking. Mm-hmm. And whatever was coming nice. out, I would just let it flow out. And there was I love it. one day. One day I was like, he he said something to me, and I was like, Mommy is so sorry. Mommy doesn't understand what you're saying. And I literally sat there and saw my, my he was maybe like three or four at the time, tried to figure out the words to say so Mommy can understand what he was saying. And I can't remember what he ended up saying, but what he, after he sat there and he paused and he thought about it, he actually spoke me in a way that I could understand what he was saying. <laughs> nice. And nice. I was like, okay, I will never put anything past him. So this inductive, <laughs> deductive reasoning, yeah. we're definitely going to be practicing that one. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's different when the kid when they become older. Uh, it's easier to talk with kids and even adults. Like at a certain point, when folks understand the message, then you can be very deductive with them and say, don't say that. Like a lot of the CEOs I work with, they don't want to hear me say, well, that's nice, but they just were like, yes or no. So a lot of the CEOs I'm working with, it's like, no, don't do that. No, you look like an idiot. Try it this way, right? And it, there's a, but we have a relationship that, that right. they know there's no, you know, the messages are fairly clear and they're just looking for very precise guidance, right? Mm-hmm. With kids at a young age, a lot of times it's just the concept of talking is still really new for them. And when mm-hmm. we look at topics, probably the most common topic we deal with in our business is what's known as the fear of speaking. Uh, we deal with it probably almost, I would say, every single day. We actually invented the world's first virtual reality system for controlling the fear of public speaking back in the 90s. It's pretty Amazing. Wow. Uh, we've written books on this topic. Uh, there's on our website, speechimprovement.com. You can download some recordings that we've done from the books. But the, there are four areas that contribute to this anxiety as a grown-up. One of them is what we call caring adults. And it's when you're about two years old and you're reaching for that hot cup of coffee and you hear, no, don't touch that. Right? And it's like the first time in our life we experience a consequence. And it's not mm-hmm. to say, don't say no to children. Nobody wants anyone burned by coffee. But it just helps us to know. It begins early. It begins early. And then there are other areas that contribute to this as we grow, television, school, things like that, that can contribute. So we have to learn, relearn how to interpret these environments. And then 
you know, and, and, and because people have different experiences, that's why it doesn't affect everybody, but it is very, very widespread. It's probably, it's one of the top three fears in the United States, worse outside of the United States, higher than death. <laughs> it's that common. <laughs> so wow. if you experience fear of speaking or you get nervous, being nervous is normal, right? And most folks will say that. It's when the nervousness becomes so significant that it starts to interfere with your ability to be mm. effective. Now you got to work on it. Well, you don't have to, but you could. And for many people, it can go away completely. And for others, it just goes so it's not a bother anymore. It is, but it is doable. You're not alone. You don't have to suffer in silence. There is help if you, <laughs> if you experience that nervousness. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, 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 if it had not been for Antonio coaching me and teaching me as well, I would not be on these interviews. I would, there is no way because my fear of speaking <laughs> was so bad. The moment I'm in front of an audience, my hands start shaking, like literal, mm -hmm. like obvious, visible shaking. My voice cracks, and I already have a high-pitched voice. To me, I already sound like a chipmunk, and it, so it gets worse <laughs> when I'm mm -hmm. in front of someone. And after a while, Antonio was like, just be you. You know, you can do this. Have the confidence to know that whatever flows out of your mouth is right. You know, it's okay, so just be you. And after a while of doing that, after a few years of just, you know, just working on that, I'm able to do a podcast interview or stand in front of someone and speak or do a training session. But before that, the fear of speaking to me was like getting hit by a car. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not alone. You're not alone. And you're doing just fine. You know, we, we are, we're used to hearing our voice through the skull. So it's always a lower, deeper sound from when we hear a recording of the voice, and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, what, and so most folks will report that their voice sounds higher pitched and so forth because that's usually the way that the dynamics work. But it's really only an issue if the sound of the voice draws attention to itself and away from the message. Uh, for example, um, if I had a high voice like this, it might be very different. Uh, eventually, you'd actually get used to it, and that would just be me, right? Uh, and I don't do that like poking fun because there are folks that we work with that have voices like that. But you've got to deal with that, right? I mean, that's right. something that if you are a business professional, what can you do? If, if there are times when you <laughs> cannot change your voice, the vast right. majority of people – who are concerned my voice is a higher pitch and so forth, fine, that's style. <clears throat> Where it's an issue is if the, the, the quality of voice itself becomes the focal point and people don't get the intended message, Ooh. now you've got to learn some techniques. You might work with a therapist and so forth to work on it. But otherwise, we don't worry about it. We just go with it, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and you just be yourself with that. Now, there's, then, then there's speech, which is different than voice. Voice is the sound that we're talking about here, that we are able mm -hmm. to produce. Speech is what you do with the voice. And there are some really, really simple things we can do to strengthen the quality of the speech component. That's a learned behavior. So with a little bit of practice, actually that app I talked about, Speech Companion, uh, has a, some cool exercises that match up with the book that are, are called articulation exercises to strengthen the quality. And that's something you can learn. That's easy. Uh, you know, relatively speaking, the voice is harder because it takes a lot more work to change. Um, fascinating topics, yeah, wow. good stuff. Yes. Well, 
Dr. Ethan, excuse me, I've been saying Mr. and not the appropriate <laughs> title. Dr. Right. Ethan Becker, thank you. <laughs> thank you so very much for joining us today on the Secrets of Success podcast. I have one more question for you, but before I ask that question, can you please let our audience know how they can find you, where they can go to purchase your book, which I recommend everybody get, and also, you mentioned the website earlier, but if you can mention the website for us again so that way they know exactly where to go to get the resources that you and your firm offer. You got it. So the website is speechimprovement.com, speechimprovement.com. My email is Ethan, E-T-H-A-N, at speechimprovement.com. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. I tend to hang out there. I don't do a lot of Twitter stuff, a little bit, not too much. Uh, the book, Mastering Communication at Work, How to Lead, Manage, and Influence, you can buy it anywhere you buy a book. If you do buy it on Amazon, maybe you could leave us a review. That's always nice. I wrote it with John Wortman, the two of us. We always love that. Uh, but, yeah, feel free to reach out if you have questions. Myself, there's a whole team of 20 of us here. Uh, and this is all we do all day long, even during the corona days. We're in full swing. While the office itself is closed, our team is all remote, working remote. So. That's me. Awesome. So happy to hear that you and your team are staying safe during these times, but definitely still up and running because communication is definitely something that we all need to learn and master in, in today's world. So my my final question to you, Ms. Dr. Ethan Becker, is what what has been your secret to success in your success in your books and your organization, and you as a coach, what has been your secret to success? <clears throat> well, for that that question reminds me, there's, I'll give you one more plug if you like this kind of thing. So I did a commencement Ethan, speech. Um, you can find it on YouTube if you type in Ethan Becker commencement on YouTube. But in the commencement speech, I talk about three things. Let's see if I can remember what they are now. <laughs> this is what comes to mind. Uh, the The first one is to find a partner. Um, with the book, I had John Wortman, and there was two of us kind of keeping ourselves motivated. With the company, there's a team of us, and my wife and I, we keep ourselves going. So a partner can be very helpful. Uh, and the second thing is to be proactive. You've got to be proactive. And, and so it's not just sitting around waiting for the world to come to you. You've got to be out there and uh, making things happen, making phone calls. With the book idea, we had this idea. John and I put it together we sent out the proposal. Within a week, we had 12 publishers all asking for deals, and then we got it down to four, chose one, and within a year, the book was out, and then it was a bestseller within that first year. So, But that's us being proactive about it. The third thing, uh, not in the commencement speech, but the third thing that comes to mind to me would be to be patient with yourself and with others. And that patience is going to help you with your listening skills and your business skills as you begin to navigate some of the 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 meetings and negotiations that you have. So those are those are some things that come to mind that <laughs> that at least I attribute in my style. Thank you very much. Thank you so very much. Again, ladies and gentlemen, and we will I will make sure that we put your commencement speech in the show notes so we so our listeners can be able to go and listen to that commencement speech. I was actually looking it up too so <laughs> So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. You know, I'll share if 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 you have a minute, I could share a quick story about it. Please, please do. 
this may be out of context of things, but we were talking about fear of speaking. I do share this mm-hmm. when I do my trainings. So um, even professional speakers get nervous. So mm-hmm. that particular speech, is, it's not always easy for me to talk about this. It was the year my mom passed away. Uh, we, it was pancreatic cancer. We knew it was cancer. Uh, she helped me. She knew I was nominated to give the speech. She helped me work on the speech. And then she passed away a couple weeks before I had to deliver it. And we knew this was sort of the timing so I was really not in work mode. I didn't do the practicing I normally do. I wasn't in my game, and I still had to give the speech. So I get up to give the speech, or I, I, I get to the event, and I decide, well, you know what, I'll talk a little bit about my mom, because um, that's okay to, talk, to share emotions in front of a group. But the guy before me went on, he went over his time, and he went for like 45 minutes talking about his mother most of the time. So I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> I can't talk about my mom now. They're going to be like, what's wrong with Generation X, right? <laughs> so <clears throat> now I'm getting nervous. Then the president of the university leans over and he says, listen, it's really hot here. Do you think you could just trim your speech by like five or ten minutes? <laughs> I'm like, what? Wow. I'm like, okay, sure. What, what am I going to say? My dad's sitting in the front row. I get up to give my speech. I get about one line in, and I'm really nervous, and a big gust of wind comes and blows my notes across the stage. So I'm like, oh, and I'm like picking up my notes and I'm getting them back. And on a scale of one to 10, 10 being really nervous, one not at all. I felt like a level 15. I mean, I'm thinking I'm losing it. I'm missing my mom. I'm practically in tears thinking I'm blowing this. And I share the story because if you watch the video, you can't see that. And that's me using breathing techniques and things that that we coach people to do so that you can't see the level of nervous publicly. But I don't mind sharing it because normally I don't get nervous. I do groups of 5,000 and I'm comfortable. That particular day was very, very difficult for me. And I share it because I know people watch the video and I want people to see, like, look, you know, even pro speakers get nervous. You're not alone. And if you're nervous, you can still be very effective at the same time. I know we went a little over, but I thought you might appreciate that as as you watch that. No, that was that was <laughs> that was absolutely awesome because there are times where we we go through things right before we have to sing in front of thousands of people or or do a presentation and we get hit with things. So that story that you just told is absolutely it helps us because there have been times where I've had to do a training or a coaching session, and right before that, I find out some of the craziest news, and I'm sitting here like, okay, get it together, Deanna. You have this you have to do. You have that you have to do. You know, yesterday morning, my morning started off with the craziest phone call. Like, my phone rung at 7 a.m. with, Everything going on, I got a phone call. Hey, I think I may have the COVID virus. And I'm sitting here like, okay, the wonderful way to wake up. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that's where, you know, this is where in the business world, the practicing is really helpful for folks. And I don't don't want to, you can can pull me right back into this conversation because I love talking about these things. But you're right. You're right. the, the, The show must go on, as we say. And the practicing may not be perfect, but when you do practice, it can help you, it can help guide you 
during those times when mm-hmm. something unexpected happens or you are feeling nervous. You can still go through the motions and know that people will get the intended message. In my commencement right. speech story, the next day, all of the media covered my three major points. There was not one press outlet wow. that talked about speech coach was nervous. Like, it didn't – nowhere. So even though I felt very nervous – that's not the way that it came across publicly, and that's because I was practicing some techniques and things like that. So, Wow. Well, I applaud you because I probably would not have made it. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I probably would not have like, hey, I'm going to make that event. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. And, 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 and thank you for sharing with us because it, it's, it's those secrets <laughs> that yeah. when we that when we hear someone tell us, yeah, no, this is this is what I had to do, but this is how I got through it. It it helps because we we're human, like you said, we're human. We go through things, things happen, but we still have to continue. There's still yeah. you know we still have appointments, we still have you know arrangements, we still have speaking engagements. We still have trainings to do. And so thank you. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. Thank you. Yeah, you got it. Well, thanks for having me on the show, too. This this has been a lot of fun. Thank you. I'm so happy you joined us today. And I'm so so very excited to um, purchase your book because I, my birthday is Thursday, so I've already put in my birthday request. Well, Um, happy birthday. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much. So um, I put in my request. I keep getting asked, what do you want? And so I'm sitting here, and you're speaking to me, and I'm like, wait a minute. The more you're speaking, I'm like, yeah, let me just go ahead and send this link over for my request. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There you go. So definitely thank you so much for joining us today. We're so happy to have had you today. I'm for our listeners, all of the information to reach Dr. Becker and his company will be in the show notes as well as the link to his commencement speech as well. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Becker. All right. And Thanks from for the having words, me. Thank you very much. And from the words of Antonio T. Smith, Jr., Ladies and gentlemen, you can plant better, you can dominate. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm not sure if you already know this, but you're already absolutely perfect. You're already absolutely great. And you're already living in massive abundance. The most important things that you have is not what you have. It's not what you do. It's what you know. Because the people who do know what you need to know to leave the middle class, they're in the top 1% and they control 96% of the world's income. 97% of this world is trading time for money and that is not the way to become rich, it's not the way to become wealthy, and it is absolutely not the way to leave the middle class. There are 7.8 billion people in the world right now and they all wanna learn how to make money and how to leave the middle class. But the way to become a master at anything is to learn all the rules and then bend them to your faith. Right now in this world, there are 2,057 billionaires. Right now. So if you think becoming a billionaire is is impossible, that's 2,057 people that have already proved that impossibility incorrect. And if you think that's crazy, there are 46.8 million millionaires in the world, worldwide right now. Now think about that. 46.8 
46.8 million millionaires, and that number grows 1,730 millionaires every single day. Money is everywhere. You don't need to max out your credit cards. You don't need to borrow from granddad and grandma. Just look behind me. Look at all the wealth sitting behind me in this junkyard. It's insane how much money is everywhere, and you don't need to go out there and beg, bar, and steal to get it. You just need to know the rules of making money and how to leave the middle class. Essentially, all you need to know is the algorithm of making money, the rules of making money. All you need to know is what to do and how to do it, and you can leave the middle class. Any industry, yoga, golf, underwater basket weaving, clipping fingernails, it doesn't matter. All you have to do is know how to do it, how to get it done, and then find somebody to teach you how to do it, how to get it done, and you will be able to leave the middle class. If you're not getting my point, it's real simple. Whatever you have up here, as long as you understand the rules of leaving the middle class, as long as you understand how to get money, you can take what's up here and get wealthy for what you already have. Right now, the very thing you know up here is already being searched a thousand times a second on Google. Someone right now, actually 1,730 people right now, are gonna become a millionaire from the stuff that you have in your head. Why can't this be you? I mean, it's 1,730 people with your ideas that are no better than you, that are gonna leave the middle class, become a millionaire. Why are you not next? So how do we do this? How do we take what you know and apply it to objective money-making secrets and then allow you to leave the middle class? How do we take you from where you are and let you escape to where you wanna go? So how do we make all this money or take all this knowledge from the Warren Buffers, from Elon Musk, how do we take everything that everyone before you has done and how do we take all of that and then put it in your head so you can leave a legacy for your family? My name is Antonio T. Smith Jr. 32 years ago, I lived in a trash can. That's right, from six to 14, I had no running water, no electricity, no anything, and somehow I'm in the top 1% today not because I had the right background, not because I had a silver spoon in my mouth, simply because being homeless made me learn how to make money. I retired when I was 29 years old. I'm more than likely younger than you. I'm one of the top 1% income earners in one of the richest countries in the world. What I learned how to do when I was six years old was learn how to generate enough money to eat some cookies so I wouldn't die to death from starvation. From there, I learned how to go from cookies to a meal from a meal to clothes, to clothes, to shelter, to everything else that supplied my necessary needs. When I was six, I was forced to learn how to make money, and now that's what I'm gonna do and help you do. I've seen amazing results. I have my own economy, I've homeschooled my own children, and I wrote a book that teaches you every single thing that I know about making money, every single thing that other people know about making money, and most importantly, all the stuff that we don't tell you. Because the truth is, and you know it like I know it, the most honest, the most hardworking, unselfish people on planet Earth live in the middle class. Yet, your honesty, your unselfishness, your devout religion going self is not enough to get to the top 1% and that's not fair. The second half of my life has been not about how much money I make, but how I will be remembered from all the money that I have made. And 
I've been trying to teach everybody how to get out the middle class. I'm the crazy guy, famous on the internet for trying to create 100,000 millionaires. I've created eight so far. I got a ninth one on the way, all the way from India. That's pretty cool. And what I want to tell you is something very simple. It's been hard. It's been absolutely hard to help people leave the middle class, not because of the people, because the system would rather keep you being someone else's money instead of you having your own economy and having the money come find and flow to you. It was frustrating because I knew that anybody can make money. And if you knew what I knew, you would change your life. Over the last few years, I built a large following of over half a million people every month that pay me to actually, for me, to give them advice. Well, that's been exciting for me. And the cool thing is, I've created thousands of six-figure earners. I've created millionaires. I've created people who can live their dreams and hold on to their legacies. And now my eyes are on you to create you to what you need to be great. I have been teaching my principles and these principles to hundreds of thousands of people around the world, every country, all continents, and anyone who has taken them seriously, written them down and applied them, have a 100% success rate of leaving the middle class. I've taught these secrets to my following and my inner network, and I've watched them go from four figures to five figures, five figures to six figures, seven figures all the way to eight. Everything that I've ever learned, everything I've ever learned from millionaire mentors, billionaire mentors, and everything I learned from being homeless, and everything that got me into the top 1%, I have placed inside of a book. To date, it is the longest book that I've ever written, the most best book that I've ever written, and that book is called The Richest Man and the Trash Can, and I'm offering it to you today for free. This book is gonna show you how to become wealthy into the top 1% and leave the middle class. This book is gonna give you a step-by-step -step plan if you're 30 years old, all the way to 70 years old, how to get into the top 1%. If you're a teenager, how to get to the top 1%. If you're a millennial, how to get to the top 1%. It's gonna teach you how to make six figures immediately, teach you how to get to a million dollars immediately, and all that good stuff. Plus, I'm gonna give you the 36 objective laws of leaving the middle class. Plus, I'm gonna give you every last one of my secrets that have made me rich. You have to understand that leaving the middle class is the most important fight that you're gonna have in your life. And to be honest with you, and you can kind of relate to this, it almost takes $450,000 a year just to be broke in America. And that's just in America. If you don't leave the middle class, which is actually an illusion, then you are gonna have a really hard time. Think about it for a second. Some of, most of you are gonna be watching this are gonna be baby boomers, and you've been sold a bad check. They lied to you. Your retirement was not enough for you to live comfortable, and I'm gonna give you this book for free so you can figure out how to triple your retirement and then quadruple your retirement, and then as Grant Cardone would say, 10X your retirement so you can live the life that's worthy of you. I want you to remember that leaving the middle class is the most important battle that you could ever face in your entire life, especially for your family. So consider this video, this book, your friendly tap on the shoulder. I want to send you a free copy of this book because I believe that abundance is your birthright. I believe that abundance is freedom. And I believe that this book is right for you. In fact, 
I believe in that so much that I will send you the book for free. All you have to do is cover the cost of shipping. I'll eat the cost, I'll take the loss, and all you have to do is get the book and dominate your reality right now and apply the principles so you can be the best person for your life that is yours. Fill out the form sitting right there to the right. Go ahead, dominate your reality. I can't wait to send you my book. I can't wait to meet you. I can't wait to have you as someone that's been on the journey with me. Antonio T. Smith Jr., you can plant better. You can dominate. When the pandemic began, I had the biggest problem in the world, not making money. The pandemic was actually quite a blessing for me as it almost made me a billionaire. I came really close. So the pandemic was a blessing. It was hiring people. And get this, everybody. I had 48 job positions open during the pandemic. $22 an hour with paid training. And I could not find a single person for two years to fit any of those 48 job positions. Hear me well. 48 job positions, $22 an hour, paid training, and I couldn't find someone, not one person, for those job positions. Now, is it because I hire slowly? True. But it's because I wasn't using ZipRecruiter. And that's a fact. I wasn't getting to the right people for the right position to fit my right culture. And there are so many different things that you can do this summer. As a matter of fact, you can free up as much time as you want to. But if you're not using ZipRecruiter, you're probably not going to free up that time if you're attempting to hire people. So what is ZipRecruiter? What is probably the greatest job finder that's out there? And that's why you need ZipRecruiter. You need it so you can find the right candidates. Now, it's not that ZipRecruiter helps you find jobs. It's more accurately that ZipRecruiter takes your culture, takes your job, takes what you're looking for, and immediately matches them with the perfect candidate. And if the if it's if they can't find a perfect candidate, they will skip over that person and then give you the perfect candidate for you. ZipRecruiter uses one of its most powerful tools, which is the technology itself, to match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review uh, their recommendations and easily review their recommended candidates and invite these candidates to apply for your top positions. Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that makes it easy for you to filter out, uh, review and rate candidates. Four out of five employees uh, have been used by four out of five employers on ZipRecruiter. It is a blessing. And no wonder ZipRecruiter is rated number one hiring site in the world based on G2 satisfaction ratings 
as of this year, January 1st. My friends, soak up everything I said. It's not an ad. This is a personal testimony of how I found the right people to sit in the right seat on the right bus. Without ZipRecruiter, it wouldn't have been possible. So how do you take advantage of what I'm talking about? Well, you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. All spelled the regular way. That's Zip, Z-I-P, Recruiter, R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. And I promise you, you will be grateful that you did so. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. It's also in the show notes.